Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Thank you, everyone. Please take your seat. Wow, this is my favorite weekend to preach, apart from Resurrection Sunday. Um, Pentecost, I... Aaron sent me a message and he said, you know, don't forget it's Pentecost. I was like, oh yeah, it's already seven weeks post Easter, right? Wow. So, um, I just wanted to reiterate, um, about the women's conference. When, when the Lord, um, called us to plant this church, he was very, uh, clear that women needed to be given a place of influence and a voice in ministry and in life alongside either their husbands or other men if they weren't married. And um, God has been faithful in raising up daughters. And so as part of this strategy, God led us to have a conference for women. I know, men, you like to go away and do your stuff in the wild and you had a retreat. But for women, this is our time to let our hair down isn't it? And um, just to be um, encouraging one another. But I also want to say that Julian Adams, Katia's husband, we met him about 17 years ago in South Africa. And a few years after that, he was in a conference, a leaders conference in England. And he went into an open vision and went into the throne room of heaven and saw, looked around and saw Duncan and Kate Help, helping themselves in the treasury room with a sack on their, like a Santa sack on their shoulders. And he said, Lord, why are Duncan and Kate here? And he said, well, they're helping themselves to everything that they need. And then the Lord said to him, I'm going to give them people, buildings, and nations. And he, that word was an encouragement in the very first few months of us planting this church and the story that Duncan told you last week is the fulfillment of the testimony and the fulfillment today in this building. And so I want to honor um, what the Lord has done through Julian. And then he met his lovely wife in London. And her father is an apostle over the Iranian church where revival is spreading. And so I want to encourage you women, if you want to be powerful in your life, Come and receive next weekend and come and fulfill that word and that mandate that women will have powerful voices in the kingdom in whatever arena God is taking you into. So I personally want to invite you and say, come and um, enjoy the fruits of this. And we've had so many years of doing women's conferences. And, you know, how many of you have been to a previous women's conference? And yeah, yeah, not bloom, though. You went to one, yeah, Duncan was a speaker and he didn't wear a wig. And I don't think your hair was long even at that time, was it? But today, this is the day when we're going to receive a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we would be remiss as Catch the Fire if we don't remember that we need to keep catching the fire. We can't rely on a fire that we received last week or the month before. We need to have our encounters with the fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. 
And we are not just a namesake church either. If you're new here, we, or you're watching online for the first time, we are not just a namesake church. We actually believe in the fire of the Holy Spirit. My mother named me Catherine after Catherine Cullman, who who manifested and moved in the power of the Holy Spirit in healing and deliverance for many years. And we have been attracted as a couple, Duncan and I, we we went to a ministry school when Jess was a year old. And one of the, the teachers there, he prophesied over us and he said, you and the people with you are going to be a raging bushfire. And so that is our calling, church. That is our calling as a movement that we not only are namesake people, but we live and demonstrate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've been thinking about the rainfall in this weekend, which is great for your gardens and great for your grass and all that. We've we've had a few days at home just letting our body clocks catch up, but spending time. And we've been grateful for the rain and and God showed me that actually that's how we need to live our lives, that we're under the reign of heaven, the Holy Spirit's reign, not just a flash flood, but every day we're abiding under that shower of the Holy Spirit so that we can live an effective life and be a witness in the way that God has called us to be. You know, so often we're apologizing for who we are, but no, the power of God is big in each of us. And he wants to reveal the glory of God in an amazing way in your life, in whatever sphere he takes you in and whatever coffee shop you go into and whatever um, restaurant and wherever your workplace is, whether it's online, whether it's in person, wherever in the world, God has called you to be powerful in him. And so, Father, we thank you that you have called us to be people who walk in your fire, that are baptized in your fire. And we declare to this city and this region that the Holy Spirit is welcome here. The Holy Spirit is free to run because we're here. That the Holy Spirit is free to come and do what he wants to do. That the name of Jesus would be glorified and the harvest would come. That the fire of the Holy Spirit would quicken the harvest of souls in this time. And so we thank you, Father. Wow. Yeah. And so the title of my message is The Baptism That Transforms a City. Wow. And the city is full of people, and that's you and I. We are in this city, in heavenly places, but here on the earth. In Acts 1... This is the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But it says in my former book, Theophilus, the writer is talking to Theophilus. I wrote all about Jesus, about all that he began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit gave instructions. And I never really thought about this. I, we know that the Holy Spirit was given to be our helper, our teacher, our comforter, our friend. But he was also to give us instructions. And Jesus himself 
to his apostles actually was using the instructions that the Holy Spirit gave him. Because we know that Jesus only did what he saw his father doing and said what he heard his father saying. They were instructions that the Holy Spirit gave him. And therefore, we can, we can assume that the Holy Spirit is called to give us instructions about how we are to live our life and to be led by the Spirit. And so Jesus gave the instructions through the Gospels. He used his disciples and the crowds and all the things that he did, declaring the kingdom, healing the sick, casting out demons, to actually be a life-learning expression. The disciples were at university with Jesus with lots of practicums to, so that they could grow in their skills and confidence and that we would, looking back now over the scripture, can see the instructions of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave. And they, these instructions are to be, we, we can learn, we can take them as keys for our own lives. And that's obviously what Jesus was getting at. And the first thing he said was, I want you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He, in Acts 1, 4, 5, he actually tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, the promise of the father. It says that John baptized with water, but I but I, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need to wait and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That was the key to the disciples before Jesus went up to heaven. Prior to that, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was listening to the instructions of the Holy Spirit. But when he was going, he'd said, I'm going to go so that I can send the comforter, the helper to you. And it's better that I go. And so he's saying the first instruction is that you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Literally, this power, when you are filled, will actually take you to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth was a, you know, it wasn't as known as we know it today. There were no aircraft travel. And so it seemed as impossible as it sometimes seems for us today. But actually, she says, no, when you are filled and baptized, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not your power. It's not my good intentions, my good methodology, my good will to be a witness. It's actually saying the Holy Spirit's power will cause you to be a witness. And so if you're struggling to be a witness, therefore, we can say by implication, maybe it's time for some more power. And that's why we need to keep being aware that we can't, but he can through us, right? And so we know the passage in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came in the upper room. It was like a violent rushing wind. 
Have, have you ever heard a low-flying helicopter or military aircraft that goes through and you suddenly, what's that? It's like the shock, the, the, the deafening sound. That's what it sounded like when the power, it came into the room. And they saw the fire as tongues landing on people's heads. And it said that when that happened, they immediately started responding in other tongues. You know, something's going to happen when the Holy Spirit touches you. And there's going to be a demonstration. It's either going to be something internally is going on, or suddenly you're going to feel like there's a fire in the room. Earlier, we we had the ministry time, and... I suddenly was like, oh gosh, I'm hot. I feel like the fire has, has got to me, you know, and, and there, there's actually a manifestation of the presence of God that comes, you know. The next thing Jesus said to his disciples and therefore says to us, go and, and pass this on to others. The harvest is very plentiful, but the workers are few. And therefore he's looking for laborers that are going to partner with him and his power to reach the harvest fields. He's, he's saying, I need to equip a few more power-filled believers to go and do it with me. And work is work. You know, it takes time. It takes commitment. You know, that's what I love about our Embrace Ministries and hearing testimonies from from there, the team's going out, but also hearing testimonies from your lives because we hear stories of how God is breaking through into each of your lives and it encourages us. And it's, it's an indication that people are working in the harvest field. They're laboring. We're co-laboring with Christ. We're not being spectators, but we're being participants in the harvest field. That is what Jesus is saying. I'm looking for people that will participate with me and my power and go into your harvest fields and work with me. Show up. Say, I'm available. I'm here. I don't feel I've got much to offer, but I know your power in me has a lot to offer. I know Christ in me has a lot to offer. And so he goes... And says that in, um, in Matthew 9, it says, he, Jesus went through the towns and villages proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He did that very thing. He proclaimed the kingdom. He said, wherever I go, the kingdom of God co- comes with me. And, you know, Duncan and I make this a practice. When we land in a new nation or we go to a new city to, to minister, we say the kingdom of God comes right now as we step up forward, as we step our feet on this land. And your land is different. It could be your cubicle at work. It could be your restaurant, your coffee shop. It could be when you go into your crazy family for dinner. And you can say things like, the kingdom comes now as I step in. And he went forward and proclaimed the kingdom. And he also says... That he healed every disease and sickness because the kingdom showed up when Jesus showed up, right? You know, and he's, he was instructed by the Holy Spirit. As we are instructed by the Holy Spirit, we have the keys for healing, 
to set people free from sickness and those things that they're tormented with. And it says that Jesus, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and they were harassed and helpless. You see, a shepherd is a pastor. A shepherd is someone that cares for the sheep. And he saw that they were helpless and harassed. He's the compassion of the Father, the love of God within him, rose up and saw people's hearts, the inside that people were struggling. They were helpless. They didn't know how to get themselves out of life's fix. They're trying to sort their problems out. They're trying to live successfully. They're, they're trying to survive this, you know, get through the pandemic and then we, we have a global downturn. And there's an inflationary cost everywhere. And there are people that you know that are struggling. They're overwhelmed with fear. They're overwhelmed and they're harassed. It's like the enemy of their soul is tormenting them. They, they've lost hope. And Jesus had compassion and he wanted to love them. He, all he wanted to do was respond. And in that place, he said to his disciples, It's like he was feeling the loss, feeling the pain of individuals. And he was saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus was so burdened. He was like, Lord, give, give my people a sense of burden so that that burden will take them, will carry them and to see the harvest field. But then in another passage in John 4, Jesus actually says in verse 35, don't you have a saying, it's still four months to the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You know, sometimes within us, we think, wow, it's just so hard. My mom and dad, it's just so hard to speak to them about about Jesus. It's just so hard to, you know, be a witness in my workplace. It's just so hard to share the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And so we look at the the difficulty, the impossibility of our circumstances rather than with eyes within the kingdom. You see, when we look at somebody from God's point of view, there is no impossibility. There is no impossibility. And it's as though we say, oh, it's just too hard. It's four months away. They're not ready. They're not ripe. But Jesus says, no. I tell you, they're already ripe for harvest. Can you see? Can you see? You see, whose eyes are you looking through when you look at the harvest? Are you looking through your eyes of thinking, gosh, I have nothing to offer? Or are you saying, I'm looking through the eyes of my father and nothing is impossible for him. No one is impossible for him to reach. We don't know what's about to happen when these people have an encounter with God. And revival and harvest are so intertwined. The next thing Jesus did, he gave some simple instructions the methodology he gave the 72 when he sent them out in Luke 10 
was simplicity. It, and the outcome was joy. He sent them out and he says, don't take a bag, don't take a money belt, don't take any food, go into the town. If they receive you, look for the person of peace. If they receive you, go in, eat with them, drink with them, share with them. If not, just dust off. And sometimes it's like that, you know, we offer, we offer a meal of the good news of Jesus to people. Some receive, some say no thanks. And that's okay. That's okay. But he says, you know, when you go, don't worry about what you say, basically. You don't need a sophisticated system. You just have to show up and open your mouth and let the power of God speak through you. And so, you know, we make it complicated. And Jesus goes on and he said, you know, heal the sick, verse 9. When you're offered, when you're welcomed, eat what is offered. Heal the sick, verse 9, who are there and tell them. He says, go in and just heal people. That'll get people's attention, won't it? The kingdom of God has come near to you. Whenever we demonstrate something of heaven, the kingdom draws even nearer to us. And so it's the, the kingdom to come into people that will open their eyes to see the truth. And it says, verse 17, when the 72 returned, they were full of joy. I mean, can you imagine the excitability of all these people? Wow, it was amazing. Wow. Oh, gosh. You know, they, even the demons came, were subject to your name and came out when we spoke your name. They were surprised that the Holy Spirit backed them up because of their obedience They were full of joy in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself, it says, verse 22, it says that Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus even got excitable in the Holy Spirit, like we see Duncan, you know? People say, is he always like that? And I'm like, yes, most of the time he is. He's full of joy. And Jesus himself got excited and full of joy about the good testimony of all the 72 that returned because he was a man. We think, oh, he was on this earth as God. No, he came on the earth and left his Godhead and operated through his humanity. That's why we can relate to him. He had the same thoughts. He had the same fears to overcome. And he received the same joy like we do. And he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. We have to remain childlike and simple and simplistic in our methodology. Because the Holy Spirit knows how he wants to lead us today and tomorrow, Monday. No, we're all... We're all hopefully going to have a barbecue, not in the rain. But anyway, um, the Holy Spirit is the, is the one that's more sophisticated. And so he just requires us to be childlike and keep it simple and let the joy of heaven 
come and overwhelm us so that we feel compelled by the joy. The next thing that Jesus did was he was a life demonstration. He was an object lesson everywhere he went with his disciples. I actually wonder what it was like. You know, I think it was like, well, we're just going to see where the Holy Spirit's going to take us today. We're planning to walk through this village and go to these people, but we'll, we'll just see what happens. And it's amazing how much of the story, when you read um, the gospel accounts of how plans start off and then plans change, and you, you even read in the Acts of Apostles how people that are led by the Spirit end up doing things that they didn't necessarily plan to do. So Jesus was just about his business, but he was listening to what the Father was saying. He was saying, Holy Spirit, where are you today? Where do you need me today? Where do you need me to work in your harvest field today? And I want to just pull out the passage from John 4 about the, the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus encountered when... He was on his way back from Judea, and he was on the move to Galilee. He was passing through, walking through, and he stopped at the the well, John 4, verse 2. And he came to, and he had to go on his way through Samaria. You know, when you walk, you, you pass through different places. You go past homes, you, you go past people with their livestock. This was Jesus' way. They, they were very fit and probably, you know, they were probably, yes, we won't go. They probably looked very toned because they did a lot of walking, <laughs> lots of fat burning. And they went about their life. And it says, when he came, yeah, we'll read it from verse 3. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came up to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You are nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up in eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to draw water. He told her, go tell your, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. 
Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man that you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe in me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. And for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to him. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Can you believe that? (laughs) But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her jar, her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way towards him. And it says later on in verse 39 that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more believers, they said to the the woman, "We we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Jesus was just going around, listening to the Father. He called out words of knowledge, demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's guiding and power that only the Holy Spirit could have told Jesus about this woman. She was a woman. She'd been married many times. And she would have gone to the well at noon so that she wouldn't have been shunned with all the other women that go early in the morning. She was a Samaritan woman. The Samaritans were despised by the the Jews, but Jesus did not overlook her. You see, he had compassion on this woman and began to unpack some of the truths of the kingdom, the truths of God, in a way that revelation came to this woman. And she began to realize... Oh, my eyes are opening. Are you the Messiah? And he actually says, I am he. And she goes away and she tells her village, I think I've met the Messiah. And they're like, oh, we're intrigued. Let's have Jesus. And a mini revival took place for two more days. And Jesus and the disciples stayed there because they were being led by the spirit of God. And the 
as he was declaring the kingdom and releasing something that came from heaven, the woman's eyes were opened. His very presence was ripening the harvest in that woman's life. And not only her life, she went on to influence the whole village and became a well-known evangelist for the rest of her life. And you never know what your voice and your actions, when you say yes to the Holy Spirit, will do. And you don't know that as soon as you turn up with the presence and being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, that you are going to ripen the harvest around you. And no longer are you going to say, oh no, it's too hard. Because the Holy Spirit is going to activate you and give you keys for the very people that you find yourself in front of. You know, how many of you have Amazon deliveries every week? And how many of you see sometimes the same delivery people every week? How do you treat them when you see them? Do you ask the Holy Spirit for a word for them, a word of encouragement? Do you ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is going on in the heart of that person? You see, Jesus knew himself that with the instructions of the Holy Spirit that he was receiving from his father, he was showing up in villages and ripening a whole harvest so that the whole village got saved and saw that he was the Messiah. See, that's what God's looking for in you and I, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that we would receive the power to be a witness You know, I want to make my life count. Now I'm in my mid-50s. I know I have to keep making my life count, but I can't do it on my own. I can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I can't do it with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration, the Spirit's power, just as Paul said, that he wants to show up. We don't have to be sophisticated. We just say yes to a simplistic, powerful gospel. And that's what he's looking for today. The final thing is Jesus is interceding for you. Did you know that in Romans 8.34? That Christ who died, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So he he's cheering us on. And Jesus says, you're going to go... And do greater works than me. You're going to do greater. He had so much confidence in the Holy Spirit's work within us. That our lives would be lives that would ripen the harvest fields around us. And the the harvest is ready, folks. Revival will bring a harvest. Why don't we stand? And you know, on this day, we are going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us again. Because it's Pentecost and it's fitting, of course. But as a reminder that as the rain has been falling all weekend, that is our inheritance, that we receive power from high, on, on, from on high on a regular basis, on a daily basis. And so we are going to b- get baptized in the Holy Spirit in a fire tunnel so that the Holy Spirit can be the one to ripen our harvest fields. Yeah. Come on. 
And Jesus says, look out and see the harvest. And right now also, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would open each person's eyes to see where is my harvest field? Where is my harvest field? Who are those around me that are the harassed and helpless ones that are like sheep without a shepherd? Father, would you, as I declare the kingdom coming, would you come and show me where those fields are ripening right now as I turn up, as you turn up? And so I just want to invite the ministry team. We're going to ask God to fill us to overflowing so that we can be effective witnesses. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.